Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I mean, you guys are not going to believe this. I have the one and only amazing Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo on the show today. Dr. E, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I was, I, trying, I was trying to follow your directions on sharing it on my page too. So I'm, I'm here. I'm now present. You are here. I love <laughs> it. Love it. Love it. You have this amazing energy. Like I, I'm all about energy. And like the moment you popped on the screen a second ago, I was like, wow, this. Here's something crazy. I don't drink coffee. I know I keep thinking when I when I get older, when I'm an adult, I'll drink coffee. Um, but I turned 50 this year and it hasn't happened yet. So oh my gosh. Wow. You you are not 50 years old. No, I'm 49. Oh my we'll be 50 in a couple of months. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I turned 52 this year, so um, so you know who De Depeche Mode is? And... Yeah, I just was listening to them yesterday. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, were you really? <laughs> yeah, that was just like switching through the uh, stations. I'm like, I haven't heard this one in a while. Oh, I remember hilarious. going to, this is completely unrelated, but I remember going to a church. Um, it wasn't my church, but when I was growing up, they had this um, kind of like gothy uh, Saturday night, no alcohol for, for um high school students and we would go and it was basically Depeche Mode for like three or four hours and flashing lights. It's great. Oh my gosh. Linda Ann Barber is on the stream with us. You I know that. Linda that Ann Barber. <laughs> or my, uh, my cell phone is, um, I, she's, I have an Australian accent for my series. So it's Baba. Linda Ann Baba. <laughs> Baba. I love Linda. She's amazing. So, so, you know, I told you I created this show a couple years ago to help people get unstuck, to help them have a breakthrough in life. Um, you have been like, I, I only like I would have to literally go in and read all of your accolades. Um, but like you, you're you're a contributor. Is that the right word on the Today Show? Um you want to name them? <laughs> Steve Harvey, when he still had a show, CNN, Fox Business, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Wow. That, <laughs> that is so incredible. So, so you, um, you've, you've, you have what a lot of people would say made it for sure in life. Um, but let's, let's start with, um, where you were born and raised. I know you were born at a very young age. Very young age. I was born at a very young age. Um, <laughs> That's her joke, by the way. She said that earlier. And I was go like, ahead, I promise not to say that out loud because it's a horrible joke. But it's hilarious. There we go. It's out there. I love Can't it. Can't take it back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I grew up on the East Coast. Uh, my um, family, we started in Baltimore and then moved up to Connecticut. My dad was um, worked in New York City, so he commuted like most of my town did into Manhattan. And I grew up where New York City was kind of my city. And when I was a kid, I remember uh, we went to Chicago once for like a summer vacation. We stayed downtown and I was thinking, oh, this is the greatest city in the world. And as luck or, you know, however we wanted to find it would happen, 
we now live in Chicago. So wow. um, I think, uh, you know, aside from the fact that it is cold six months out of the year, the other six months are lovely and it's a great place. So we're really, really happy to be here. Chicago, you know, um, we were talking a minute ago off camera about um, Mark Victor Hansen. Um, and I know he's going to be on your show soon. And he was actually raised in Waukegan. So oh, that's like the next town for me. How I know. That is so funny. So, so you, you, so did you go to like high school and all that in, in Baltimore? I went to high school in Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah. To a small school. There were 47 kids in my class. Oh, wow. And I would not in a million years ever stand up in front of even half of the class to speak. So I was close with all the kids, but I had a huge fear of public speaking and being the center of attention. I And I see that you still Obviously, carry that. that. Yeah. <laughs> You're still carrying that fear with you, I can tell. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's funny because people are often like, you know, because I'm a professional speaker and I'm on stages in front of you know, thousands and I don't know, today shows what, seven, eight million and people are like, how do you do it? And the re the way that I did it is not, I was not born <laughs> with comfort or even these skills. It's, it's very much training. And the first thing is I had to get out of my own way, right? My inner critic when I was in front of a camera or in front of a group was, oh my gosh, what if I mess up? You know, what if I forget what I'm supposed to say? What if I can't answer a question? What if I freeze? And when that is your thinking, um, it impacts your behavior, right? Because what goes on up here impacts everything that goes on out here. And so yeah. I really had to do some serious work on myself in yeah. order to do this. Um, and the beauty is now when I'm coaching clients or when I'm, when I'm speaking, it's not just, hmm, I read this book about it. I, I've been there, done that. Um, right. and, know it, and I know that it, this stuff works. Um, yeah. I talk about crushing our inner critic and literally rewiring our brains. Um, and, you know, we can talk more about that if that's of interest. But yeah. That's really the key. Well, and, and I, I grabbed a piece of paper because I'm like, I got to I got to write down some of the questions that come to me as as we're talking. Um, you know, I'm I'm very familiar with exactly what you're talking about. Um, and I, I, as a matter of fact, I often tell the story about the first time I did a live stream. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I always joke and say I was as nervous as a hooker in church, <laughs> but, but I was like, I was freaked out. Like, yeah. and I don't know why, like, I'm like, oh, but, but think about it. if you, if you could stick a microphone in your brain at that particular time, what would you hear yourself saying to yourself? What if an ex-girlfriend shows up <laughs> or, or, you know, or whatever, all of those things. Yeah. And so you said that you, you did some inner work and I'm, I'm really curious. What's, what's that? Like, does that require surgery? <laughs> no brain surgery, no electroconvulsive therapy. So there's no shock therapy. <laughs> Right. If you think about it, every single thought that we have are just nerves firing a certain pattern, right? right. So if you have thought A, they're firing this pattern, thought B, they're firing this pattern. Yeah. It's the same thing with our behaviors. In order for me to turn my head, nerves have to fire in my brain. Yeah. Now, now think about the first time you got behind the wheel of a car to learn to drive, right? If you're anything like me, you're like, oh, where do my hands go? 
right? right? How much do I turn the steering wheel? How much pressure do I put on the accelerator? Or as my 15-year-old is learning how to drive, asked me the other day, mom, which one's the brake? An excellent oh, information to have when learning how to drive, right? Oh. But all of this was probably consuming your mind as you're learning how to drive. Yeah. Now my guess is when you get behind the wheel of a car to drive, you aren't thinking, oh my gosh, how much pressure to put on the accelerator? Right, or you think about right. what, what songs on the radio maybe, or who you're talking to in your Bluetooth, or yeah. where you're gonna stop and get a little snack on the way home. Right. The thing is, is because we've literally, you've literally rewired your brain so that it becomes automatic. Each and every one of us has an inner critic, right? But yeah. no one came out of their mama's womb thinking, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I'm a failure. That oh, is learned. And anything learned can be unlearned and relearned so that it becomes the new automatic, right? So if I said to you, A, B, C, you might start singing the alphabet song in your brain. Why? Because you heard it so many times, it's an automatic response. Yeah. In fact, I worked at a law firm like a long time ago when I was in high school um, and I worked in the library and I had to organize, I had to reshelve books. They had actual books back then. And I literally sang the alphabet all day because I had to, anyway, that's what that's been. So, but like, so, so rewiring our brain is what's so important. A lot of times people will do things like affirmations, right? I believe in myself. But the other part of your brain's like, mm, I really don't. I really yeah, don't. Right. And that's because it's 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 it hasn't been rewired. But when you rewire your brain in a way that works for you, right, you can crush your inner critic in a sustainable way so that it actually it actually works for you as opposed to kind of feigning. I believe in myself, even so, so, okay. I, and I love this. I, I literally just did a live stream on this topic last night. And, and so, um, you know, I, I believe in, I believe in the law of attraction. I believe in, um, I believe in, I am positive affirmation adjectives, writing them out. I believe in writing out my goals and all of that. Um, but you, you keep talking about these neurons and neuro pathways and nerve, you know, all of that stuff. Like how does, what is a real life example of, of rewiring? Like, cause a lot of people know that like, Hey, I, I'm, I can't go skydiving ever because it's just an unbelievable fear. I can't let go of how do you rewire and maybe skydiving is a bit extreme. Okay. I, I always feel like that's a rational fear, <laughs> like jumping out of an airplane. Right. I feel like that's a rational fear, but maybe, yeah. maybe that's just me. Uh, um, yeah. How, it's how, that how, sudden stop. If the shoot doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Darn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe that wasn't a good idea. Um, yeah. Our path. <laughs> Besides, do I feel like because we have time, I get can I have a side story? Absolutely. Our, uh, we had this wonderful pastor, and I we lived in uh, Pittsburgh for a bit. And our, our pastor, for his fortieth birthday, decided he was going to do this really big um, jump out of an airplane about overcoming his fears and how you too can overcome your fears. And he had you know the video cameras and everything. And he was so nervous the whole time, and he jumped out and he did it. And they got down and they're hugging and high fiving, and the camera guy's like, uh it didn't actually film. So we had to go do it again. Oh <laughs> no. Easier. So, so yeah. there, but that, there, there it is. So I yeah. have, I have a technique I call NRT, neuroregenerative training that allows you to retrain your brain. And some of the components are things like, 
identifying what you want, right? Law of attraction. We need to put out what we want. But the issue with law of attraction, in my opinion, that we people aren't addressing is our thoughts are, are multi-layered, right? Yeah. So we can say, you know, I want to, I want that job and I'm going to put it out there. But if on a deeper level, your your inner critic is saying, you're not worthy of that. Right. Of that, then you will not attract it. And right. that's why, for me, law of attraction, you really have to do this NRT stuff. You have to really change not just the superficial thoughts, but the real deep-seated how you view yourself, how your, your self-identity, your self-worth, and how you view the world yeah. in order for that to optimally work. Well, and I think that, you know, you just kind of, you, you nailed it talking about the pastor jumping twice, right? The second time was easier. So much easier. Yeah. And, 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 and somebody just made a comment on the, on the stream that people forget the action part in the law of attraction, yeah. right? Requires action. Yeah. So I call it hot tub syndrome. No, bear hot with me. Tub, hot, hot tub. tub. Hot tub syndrome. So think about it. Have you ever put your foot in a hot tub and then taken it right out? Cause you're like, that is way too hot. Right? Yeah. But then you yeah. put it out. Especially if I'm getting in one with my wife, she loves it boiling hot. I'm like, boiling hot. I'm the same way. Oh. But you know, you put your foot in and out and in and out, and eventually what happens? It actually feels to. good. Yeah. And you do that dance for a while so that eventually you are in there up to your neck saying, This feels so good. Your body acclimates to it. Right. And so part of NRT and absolutely is, is the action part and starting to make that your new normal. Wow. I'm taking notes. That's why I'm looking down. So um, <clears throat> this is powerful. Okay. So in our talk a little bit, and I'm sure that this is in your books, by the way, you have what, four or five books you've written. Yes. Uh, yes. Bestseller. My, team, my team, I was writing another book. They're like, no, I'm like, I'm too much. <laughs> I just say I'm a, I'm a creator. I like to create. Um, I love that. Yes. I, have, I love I that. Wanna, wait. Oh, there. Wait, I can't. I'm like backwards here. There. There's some of my books. I have better than one of them is better than perfect. And then I have it in Spanish, uh, Mandarin and um, and Japanese. There I, wi I widened the shot. So all, oh. all those over there on the third shelf down. Well, those right there. Oh, I, I got you. OK. OK. So. Wow. So, so, um, well, I can tell my wife is on here saying you're amazing. I think we're going to be on Amazon today buying your book. Oh, so, um, <laughs> so, so, um, talk a little bit more about the, like the, and you called it neuro regenerative, regenerative, regenerative training. NRT is the easier way to say it. Yeah. So it's actually a concept that I've created after working with clients for over two decades um, of how to literally rewire your brain so that what you want to think becomes your automatic thoughts. I love that. I do too. My clients do. Yeah. So, I mean, so, Here's an example of completely, I mean, this happened in college before I got degrees or anything like that. When I went to college, I had heard about this horrible thing called the freshman 15. And I was like, mm -mm. I, what? freshman 15, you know, you're supposed to gain 15 pounds when you go to college. Oh, Have you heard of that? No. You're beer and you're eating and, you know, all kinds of junk. So anyway, I was, I did not want to gain 15 pounds when I went to college and at oh the same God. time, I used to joke that exercise was, quote, against my religion. Right. I didn't 
work out. So I, I just, I told myself, I'm going to start working out. And not only am I going to start working out, I'm going to like it. I know this is sickening for some people. So I went through this process without even knowing what I was doing. And for the past, well, let's see, for 18 years, I was a group fitness instructor. I, I, when we move, we literally look for houses and gyms at the same time. I yeah. love exercising. Don't hate me. Um, and it's just part of my life. But I literally rewired my brain so that instead of it being aversive, it's now something that I truly look forward to. That's incredible. And, and I've read, you know, um, <clears throat> Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. He talks about a lot of that stuff too, right? Like reframing, I think is, is maybe the word that he uses. So, so <clears throat> wow. I don't even I, I, like, I'm, I, I've got a bazillion questions and I can't get <laughs> one of them out. Let's go back to after high school, you went on to college now. And, and let me ask you this, this is right, right up your alley. So I think that typically people end up on a path as an adult because of someone, something, some kind of an event or theme as a child that kind of pushes them in the direction of what they, they become professionally or as a, as an adult. Do you believe that? Well, I mean, something pushes us to, to where we are. So for some people, they always grew up wanting to be X or being told that they should be X. Um, for me, it was funny because when I was a kid, I always thought I wanted to be a medical doctor and I'm mm. not a medical doctor. And when I got to college, it was, uh, you know, whatever, a thousand years ago. And it was when managed care was starting. And we had a lot of friends who were MDs who said, don't do it. Like, it's just, it's not as fun anymore, blah, blah, blah. Now, yeah. I, you know, now it's even harder. So yeah. I said, okay, well, I'm not going to be, I won't go to med school. And I started kind of playing around and I ended up um, going to a physical therapy clinic and um, shadowing literally one day. And I'm like, oh, this is it. I, this is it. I'm going to be a physical therapist. And at the time it was a two year graduate program. You could get out and really start working. So that's actually what I did. I went um, and I went to, to Duke and got a, a master's degree in physical therapy, which I loved doing that. <laughs> and I practiced for a while. And the thing about physical therapy is there's so much psychology in it, right? So if my client was overly anxious or depressed, I couldn't do the work maybe that I wanted to be able to do to help him walk again or, or to get him out of pain because it's all intertwined. Right. And so um, I would say my life changed with a one-legged man. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I have a one-legged man story and I have a man with no arm story. So these men changed my life. But anyway, oh my gosh. Of them, he had had a surgical amputation for diabetes, right? Diabetic complications. And they had, had yeah. to amputate his leg came down to the physical therapy gym where I was supposed to teach him how to walk again and use this prosthetic device. And, you know, I'm all cheerleading like, yeah, it's going to be fun. And he looks at me and just yells, take me back up. So I had him go back up to his room afterwards, yeah. we had rounds, you know, doctors and the nurses, everyone talking about each patient. And his name was David. And we all agreed that David was, um, was depressed. Um, and, then, and then the attending physician, the surgeon who cut his leg off said, He's literally taking notes and kind of looks up and he's like, I'll prescribe him Prozac. And I'm like, oh, and everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, now there's a time and place for, for, for medicine without, yeah. 
But I'm thinking, you just cut the man's leg off. Like, don't you think someone should help him process that, help him prove <laughs> his loss? And it right. literally, it literally was like the heavens opened up and like and was like, Elizabeth, this is your calling. So oh from that, I went back and went to school and got my PhD in clinical psychology. Wow. And not not so much because we all deal with any amputation in our lives, but we all deal with loss. We all deal with um, struggles. We all deal with, with life throwing us stuff that we didn't expect or want. Um, yeah. So how can we how can we optimize even during tough times? How can we optimize our mindset and, and our and our lives despite tough times? Metaphorically, we all deal with amputations. I mean, right of some sort. Of some sort, sure, yeah. <laughs> So, so you went now, where did you go to college? So I undergrad at Bucknell, which is a small school in Pennsylvania. Okay. And then I went to Duke for physical therapy. And then I went to, um, my school went through five name changes from the time I applied to the time I got my PhD, but it is well known in the, in the field of uh, medicine is medical college of Pennsylvania or Hahnemann university now called Drexel university. Where is that? Is That's that in Philadelphia. Philadelphia? Oh, Philadelphia. Yep, center Ooh. city. Okay. Wow. Cool. My wife's from Pennsylvania, Erie. Oh yeah. 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 Up there in the snow belt, like Santa, Santa comes from there, I guess. I <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. So, so you, you get out of college now did, and, and again, here you are now at the, you know, I don't, I don't even know what 27 at that point when you got your PhD, 26, 26. I, so I, I, I went back to school when I was 27. So I practiced oh. physical therapy for three years full time. Got it. When I was in school for my first psychology, I did home PT, which was okay. really interesting. Inner, inner city homes in Philadelphia. Where wow. I, I mean, I, I can I can remember walking. I was wore scrubs, so I was establishing that I was there to help. And I can remember parking my car and these guys who were doing, I don't even know what came up to me and they're like, who are you? And I said, well, my name's Elizabeth and you know, Mabel, and this isn't really HIPAA compliant, but I was trying to save my life. And I'm right. like, you know, you know, Mabel had a stroke. And they're like, we know Mabel had a stroke. And I'm like, well, I'm here to help Mabel get better after her stroke. And they're like, you're here to help Mabel get better. And I'm like, yeah. And they go, okay. So every time I went to go see Mabel, which would be three times a week for, you know, however long yeah. they, they would protect my car. Wow. In my car and they're, they're like, we got this. So it really, awesome. it really makes me weepy because I think a lot of times people think, oh my gosh, it must have been so dangerous. I met, it's giving me goosebumps. I met some of the most amazing, wonderful, kind hearted individuals yeah. in these areas where a lot of people would never even want to drive through. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So, <clears throat> I mean, you had them looking out for you because you were looking out for them. Cause we're all you human, know? right? And I believe this is my completely biased belief and I'm going to throw it out that knowing that it is biased, it is my belief that 99.9% .9 of people are good in their core. Totally. We don't agree. Always act good, right? I don't always act great. Right. But deep down, I truly believe that the majority of human beings are good people. And we just have to connect on that deeper level yeah. and of empathy and understanding and seeing the best in others, even when what's kind of outward isn't so pretty. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, but I know that you, 
I mean, you literally have a halo up there over your head. Do you see it? I have seen that. <laughs> My hair designer. I, I can't, let me see it. Can I go? It's a little weird. Let me see. It's not weird. It's awesome. I'm just going to There we go. I'm just going to there, there uh, I, love I love that. I don't so, my family would not say I have a halo over my head. <laughs> we can plan for this. Right. So, so, you know, I, and, and I always bring this up at the end, but I think it'd be good to bring it up now. Um, what, and, and again, let me preface this with the most common answer that I've received in over 200 interviews is fear. Okay. okay? Um, I think you're going to have a deeper answer. So mine's got to be, mine's got to be better. Okay. <laughs> it, it has to be better. There's so no, pressure. No, no pressure, no pressure. So here. Oh, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. What holds people back in life? Ah, inner critic. It's what we say to ourselves. And sometimes it's fear, but sometimes it's um, shame or guilt or helplessness or hopelessness. Mm. Um, it is our belief system and it's not the belief system when we're in a really good place and life's going well and we're like, yeah, no, I'm good. Life's good. Right. What we know our deep seated um, inner critic really comes out during tough times. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll, I'll work with people and they'll be like, yeah, no, I believe in myself. Yeah. And I'll be like, okay, so remember that board meeting you were talking about when you uh, were beating yourself up after because your responses weren't all that smooth or anything. And they're like, well, yeah, cause I'm a complete failure. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So yeah. So yeah. And the beauty, the beauty of the fact, and I'm going to make it a fact as opposed to my belief, the beauty of the fact that it's our inner critic is again, you did not come out of your mama's womb with an inner critic. It's learned. Anything learned can be unlearned and relearned. And it's so much easier if it's in within you. If what's holding you back is something out there, we can't control that, but we can control and change what we're saying to ourselves. How, if some, because again, love this, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this stuff. Love Joe. I have like three of his books on my phone. I love him, love him, <laughs> love him. And I have another another book that I reference a lot right here. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's such a great book. It's it's about that the sixty to eighty thousand thoughts a day that we have, and and how you know ninety five percent of our entire external world is controlled unconsciously. But my question is, you know, yes, okay, so maybe I have. Um, these, these negative conversations going on about myself with myself. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm, I'm still pushing forward. I'm still trying to figure it all out. How do I change that? And I, I don't even hear Dr. Joe talk about that. Like, I, I, or I've missed it. Like, how do I dig Dr. in? E and, and, about it though. <laughs> what's that? I said, Dr. E talks about it, but Dr. Dr. E, <laughs> right. So, so what, what is it that I can do right now yeah. to, to, to start changing those conversations I'm having? Yeah. So there, there are several things. The first thing is to realize what you're saying to yourself. You, you, you just said, you know, scientists say we have, you know, let's say 60,000 thoughts every single day, yeah. about 35,000 of them are negative. Yeah. 90% are the same stinking ones we had yesterday. Our thoughts impact how we feel and what we do, and yet we aren't always aware of what we're saying to ourselves. 
So the first step is to literally write out what are you saying to yourself, especially during times when you experience a high level of distress. Mm. Now, determine psychology that is the catch-all for any emotion you don't want. Could be anger, frustration, sadness, fear, guilt, shame, hopelessness, helplessness, worthlessness. Any of those <laughs> feelings, they go from zero, not at all, right? You just got yeah. off the massage table, life is great, to yeah. 10 out of 10. And 10 out of 10, when you're angry, you might be screaming or the proverbial steam's coming out of your ears, right? Yeah. 10 out of 10 sadness is you're crying and not a cute little tear glistening down, but like snot coming out of your nose crying. <laughs> Hopefully most of us aren't at 10 a whole lot. We're probably not at zero a whole lot either. So the first question is, where is your level of distress? So right now, everyone who's watching, like just in your mind, what level of distress are you right now? Mm. And then think about it maybe when you first wake up in the morning or when you first start your day mm -hmm. or when you interact with that certain <clears throat> person in your life, you know <laughs> <laughs> or when you finish your day and you come home or, or, or when you go to bed, like, have you ever had the experience where you're so exhausted and all you want to do is go to bed? Soon as your head hits the pillow, boom, your mind starts racing and your distress gets higher. Right? We've, we've all had that. So it's yeah. important to realize what level of distress, because not only is it uncomfortable to be in high levels of distress, but when we're in what I call the red zone, which is at a seven out of 10 or higher, we don't think rationally. So when you're in a lower level of distress, I call it the green zone, zero, one, two, three, we can see all different perspectives. Right. You're, you're using more of your frontal lobe, right? What differentiates us from other animals. It allows us to engage in perspective taking, problem solving, executive functioning, right? Yeah. We can see perspectives. So when someone does something, when we're in the green zone, we're like, ah, that's just pat, right? As we get higher on the distress zone, we focus, our focus narrows to be more negative. That's when we personalize things. That's when we see what's wrong. Um, that's when whatever happened in the green zone, when that person does it, when we're in the red zone, we want to strangle them or, you know, whatever. We're very angry with them. Right. And there's actually a biological reason for this, because when you are in the red zone, when I'm in the red zone, that's seven out of 10 or higher, we're using less of our frontal lobe and more of our limbic system, fight or flight, right? And uh, so, yep. so we don't think 100% rationally. I, I always tell my coaching clients, if you're in the red zone, right, at a seven out of 10 or higher, don't let anything out of your mouth, because that's when we say things we later regret. And don't put anything in your mouth because that's when we consume things we later regret. Mm. So going back to your question, what we want to do is really document when, especially when you're in the red zone, that's when we can really get the juicy stuff that's going on. When you are in the red zone, ideally when you're in the red zone, a lot of times it doesn't happen until after you get out of the red zone. You want to write down, what am I saying to myself right now? And then, and then I, I have an exercise where I go with my clients and we kind of, we kind of delve a little deeper. So if that were true, what does it mean to you? If that were true, you know, what's the worst part about that to really uncover what is going on. And mm. a lot of times it will be, um, I'll give an example from my personal life. So, um, I have, I have teenage, I have teenage girls, 13 and 15 who are lovely <laughs> and they're and they're teenagers. And so if if I'm in the green zone and they have certain responsibilities that they have to do. So I, I came home late from, uh, I was speaking in California, came home late and their laundry that was supposed to have been folded was not folded. So, you know, green zone, I'm like, 
come on, girls, let's go. When I'm in the red zone, I'm like, you didn't fold your laundry. Now, who cares if they didn't fold their laundry? But if I dissect what's really going on, what I'm really saying to myself is my kids don't respect me and I'm not a good mother. Mm. That's not rational. I don't believe that when I'm in the green zone. But that is why I get so upset. So when someone gets really high level of distress, they're usually saying what we call in psychology, their core belief, kind of that, that biggest fear that they have about themselves. And that's what's fueling the outer layers of thoughts. It's almost like if you had a, a rotten, um, think of an onion, right? An onion has different layers. So if yeah. you off a layer, you have another layer. And right. if the core of that onion is rotten, if, yeah. you, if you put a pretty layer over it, what's gonna happen? The rottenness is still there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if rottenness is a word, but <laughs> the rot we'll is make it one. And and that and that's what affirmations can be. We put a pretty little picture on, but if yeah. we don't address that core, it yeah. ain't gonna work. So going back to how do you do this? One, write out what you're saying to yourself and really get to the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. And then there are a couple, there are a couple, there are there are a gazillion yeah. different strategies that I have. Yeah. But one of them is what I call BFA best friend advice. So if you realize that what you're saying to yourself is you're a complete failure and you're never going to amount to anything, if your best friend came to you and said that, what would be your reaction? Would you be like, you are. And just as a reminder, not only did you screw this up, but let me remind you of the five other times just this past month that you really messed things up. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that. And yet we, that's exactly what we do with ourselves, right? I call right. it friends bruise that replaying over and over again that that you know what the mess up or that thing you should have said or you think you shouldn't have said i call it pressing on a bruise that's what we do to ourselves but right. with bfa it's oh no i would say okay yeah it wasn't your best and let's remember all the other times you did a great job and let's learn from this and grow from this that might be the advice that you give to your friend so yeah. then that becomes what you then write out as this is the new thought that i want to have and I think that, and you know, I, I'm while well, I'm asking, I'm leading the witness. Um, <clears throat> so, like your physical health, um, I, I noticed I had um, Andy Frisella on the show, who's the CEO of First Form Fitness, um, and and I, he has this thing that he he developed called Seventy Five Hard, where you work out twice a day, you do all these steps. It's it's unbelievable. And so my wife and I were all fired up during the show and he, he kind of challenged me and I said, I didn't even bring up 75 hard. You know why? And he's like, yeah, cause now you have to do it. And this guy's got millions of followers. Right. And so I said, uh, so I, I started doing it and so did my wife and we dropped all this. And your, and your tone is incredible. Say what? The enthusiasm, you're like, we started doing it. Yeah, we did. Well, I was not looking forward to it, right? That whole, uh, working out twice a day for 45 minutes, drinking a gallon of water, following a diet. What's that? Like, am, am I going to die doing that? Like, you know, cheat meals and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what half of this means, but let's do it, right? And and I was not, I, I mean, here I am, this 50-year-old dude, 51 and, and, and I'm stepping out into a neighborhood full of doctors around me. And, and, and I'm like, they're going to see this fat old dude coming out going, what is he doing? Walking on our sidewalk. Somebody call the police. You know, <laughs> and I'm having all these, these thoughts. Right. And I'm like, inner critic, inner critic, inner yeah, critic. right. Right. And Linda and Barbara did it too. And, and in, in, in with me and my wife and a bunch of other people, 
But like, it was, I noticed something with me that changed dramatically. And that was the inner critic stopped. Mm-hmm. Not completely, but I mean, it was like, I don't know. I got control of it. And and so because you're proving him wrong. Right. How much physical, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Physical exercise affects you, uh, your chemistry, right? Your, your brain chemistry. Yes. I, I call exercise non-pharmacological Xanax. Right? <laughs> Xanax is what people take for, for stress or anxiety. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, and, and again, complete transparency. I think exercise is one of the greatest things that gifts that anyone can give to themselves. So yeah, exercise changes our, our biochemistry. And, and it's interesting, for example, there's, there's research that shows that people who exercise increase their confidence. And yep. one might think, well, sure, if your body, you know, if you look better, then you're going to feel more confident. But it actually isn't once people's bodies start changing. It's the biochemistry that happens. Um, I have a um, one of those small um, um, trampolines in, yeah. my, in my office, in the closet in my office. And... And I have taught my children this, that when they are stressed, especially math, I find that especially math homework for them. But when they're stressed and they're stuck, they come in and they jump on that trampoline. When I'm writing a book and I and I know I know I want to say something, but I don't know what it is. I will go for a walk or go to spin class because that will allow my brain to start working on a different level. I'm not thinking about it anymore, but to start working on a different level. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted to say. Or after they jump on the trampoline, they're like, they'll go back to their math problem and they'll be like, I got it. I got it. I think I think I I think that a lot of people don't do it though, because, um, and I, this is a theory. I I, I don't know. Um, like, you know, we, we project that it's going to be really, really tough to do that. Go for a walk. I mean, that's hard work and, or, or jumping on a trampoline and then the left foot again. I mean, I know what if you mess up? Oh my God. So, 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 but a lot of people will project, on anything, right? Like taking a new job or starting their own business or whatever. Like, um, you know, well, if I do that, it's going to be a lot of hard work. And what if I don't make it or what, all of these things, all these, what if, Hey, what, how can somebody stop that? Again, I I know that there's no magic wand. I don't, maybe you have one. (laughs) Jersey, that, that video of, uh, I can't think of his name. Are you on TikTok yet, by the way? No. Oh, you have to get on TikTok. Oh my God. I can't. I'm not even on my social media. I'm supposed to be on. All right. We'll, we'll talk about Linda's like, I've been trying to get her on TikTok. No, she hasn't. Um, okay. So here, here's something to consider. Get a smaller butt. And I don't mean butt like derriere. I mean, butt. I, I want to mm. go for this job, but I'm afraid of failure. I want to, you know, do this exercise pro- uh, program, but I'm afraid people are going to laugh at me as I'm walking around. But, 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 but. When yep. we have, when, if you think about your butt, a butt is like a brick wall that stops you. So instead of making your, you think about like the old fashioned scales, your butt and your why. What is your why? Like, why do you want to do this? Right. And, and think about it on, on different levels. Psychologically, how will this impact you? If we're talking about going for a job, how will it impact you to go for that job and get it? Right. How will it impact you physically? How will it impact you financially? How will it impact your relationships? How will it impact your purpose? And when you look at the why, yeah, 
Jesus, as opposed to the butt. When your butt weighs more, you don't do it. When your why weighs more, you do it. It's like those stories of those like grandmothers who, I don't know, somehow their grandchild gets stuck under a car and they don't look at the car and like, mm, I wish I could pick that up, but I can't. Wait, right. wait, go and they lift the car. They do stuff that is superhuman. How do they do that? Because their why is so strong. So right. as soon as you hear the word, but stop and say, what's my why? What's my why? How does somebody find a why if they don't know what it is? I've had people literally say that. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know well, what. That goes into kind of our purpose in life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's my philosophy on this. People think <laughs> people are very perfectionistic, all or nothing. Right. 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 Like, I don't know what it is right now. Then you know. Then I don't have a purpose, or right? you know, I have to figure out what the big purpose is in my life right now. Start small. What is your purpose at this minute? Mm. What is your purpose this day? And and I have some exercises that I do with clients in terms of kind of helping identify values and applying your values. You don't have to. You don't have to figure out the big thing. Just start yeah. a, being a purpose-driven mission. And one of the ways to do that is to, to look at um, what values are important to you and then just choose one of them and how can you apply that today? So if you go through like a values checklist, for example, um, every value is intrinsically a positive thing. And each person has certain values that are more important to them than others. So if I don't know if health is a really important value for you, then what yeah. one thing you can do today and don't get all perfectionistic. I have to join a gym and go every day for 90 minutes, right? I wrote a book called better than perfect, which is this notion of take steps in the right direction. So if health is important to you and there are a thousand reasons why you can't go to the gym for five minutes, go for a walk outside. It's, it's better than perfect. Right. And so starting to take those strides, but don't get all perfectionistic in terms of I have to know what my ultimate purpose in life is. And I don't know what it is, so I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> you know, the, the, way, the way we get anywhere is taking one small step. Right. I, I started off, I was a bio major and now I'm a psychologist, you know, and, and there were different pathways that got me there. But if I had just sat there and said, I don't know what to do, then I might be in college. You should be a comedian. Uh, individual in college, but well, why did I interrupted you? We were we talked at the same time. What did you just say? No, I said I might still be in college. I said a very old oh. person in college, which reminds me of my girls and I were watching Life of the Party last night with Melissa McCarthy, where she goes back to college. If, if you like Melissa McCarthy, it's very funny. So. Is it funny? So, so <clears throat> I forget what I just said. Like I, got oh, I, said, I said, you should be a comedian. You are, you are a hoot. So, you know. I just don't think I'm funny. I constantly am telling them how funny I am. They're like, mom, you're not funny. I'm like, I guess if you tell someone that you're funny, you actually aren't funny. But it's another story. That's why I said, are you on TikTok? You oh. will be a hit on TikTok. I promise you. So, let me ask you this question. Because I know that there are people who say, I, I know very, very wealthy people that you look at them and they're like, they don't even work like hardly at all. Like they're just killing it in life. Like they're touched by, you know, like something that just made them be able to create wealth on demand. Yeah. And, and, and I know people that grind 16 hours a day and don't have two nickels to rub together. 
what is the difference do you think between the person that just creates wealth with ease and they go on these European vacations and they go, they're on the today show all the time. And <laughs> yes, kidding. because all of us on the today show are multi <laughs> or good morning America. So, so, you know, what is the, what is the difference between the person that's just grinding and gr there's this whole thing all over the internet. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like, I'm going to grind today for 27 hours and there's only 24 in the day. You know, it's like, do you really have to grind that hard to make it in life? Is there something that people are missing? Yeah. I love this. This was a good question. So it, it is multi-layered. Remember our thoughts are multi-layered. So a lot of people focus on um, your self-image, your identity. Who do you truly believe that you are? And right. that is important to look at because we all have an image of, of who we are. For example, the research shows that people who are overweight, when they lose weight, if they don't change their um, identity as being someone who's overweight, the weight yeah. will come back because mm. the brain's like, oh, I'm an, I'm an overweight individual. So part of it is um, what is your identity when it comes to wealth? And that has to do with something that I call money scripts. Money scripts are beliefs that we have about money and they're so deep seated. Um, I actually wrote a book over here called From Entitlement to Intention, Raising Purpose-Driven Children. And it's geared towards uh, families of high net worth and, and how do, you know, how can you have, you know, their children will probably never need to work and how can you help them be purpose-driven? One of the things I talk about there in there is that we have these money scripts. For some people it's rich people are bad, right? Or rich people are, um, are um, sleazy or, you know, you have to work hard to make your money. And those <laughs> scripts then play into our image of who we are. And, and, and there are people who talk about that. It's actually one level deeper. That is important. But what's even more important is how do you view your worth as an individual? And overall, an overarching theme, and I call it kind of an epidemic going on in our society, is we have this um, self-worth that's very conditional i.e. I believe in myself if and only if certain things happen. But really what we believe is that we are not worthy of this wealth. And so when you when you have an image of yourself as not being wealthy and you believe that you're not worthy of the wealth, that's where the problem is. Now, there are people who have an image of themselves, you know, they've kind of implanted this, you know, through visualization and they can see themselves in their multi-million dollar house and going on vacations. And so they can kind of change that image. But when that core worth is not on board, that money may come, but it's going to leave. Yep. <clears throat> wow. That is an unbelievably good answer. And this is all like now we have people on here that are definitely buying your books. <laughs> my wife, <laughs> me and my wife being two of those people. Well, and I'm going to offer a, a free, um, course on how to crush your inner critic so stay tuned for that you don't have to buy a book i mean i'd love you to buy a book um and so we'll, we'll i'm going to share with um your audience on how they can get a free um five uh five day course on how to crush your inner critic oh my god wow uh, i didn't that's a surprise to me too I should have let you know that before. No, hey, all right, just throw it out there so we can get off this interview and go check it out. I'm just kidding. So, so 
so I, you have created some new fans today and I'm one of them for sure. But there are all kinds of people on here that love you. Um, and, and when I saw your picture, I'm like, she looks familiar. I don't watch TV. so I, know, I don't watch TV unless I'm on. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. You cracked me up. So, um, if let's say, and I'll, I'll, again, I had this day. I started my company fresh out of a divorce. Um, and on a $20 loan <laughs> and bad credit and, and just went out and started knocking on doors and pretty much begging for work, um, doing websites and stuff years ago. And, um, there was this time after I got an office, I had some employees, everybody was getting paid except for me. And, and this, um, this employee walks into my office, a uh, uh, boss, there's a, there's a guy looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like, well, tell him to get the heck out of here. What is, what's he doing? He's like, well, I would, but he's blocking it with, with his tow truck. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. No, not good. And, and so, you know, it was one of the most humiliating moments of my life. And because all of my employees watched my vehicle get repossessed and, and, and I was like, and I couldn't stop the guy. There was like, you know, um, what do you do? Like the person, if somebody called you right now and they said, Dr. E, I am stuck. I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. I'm depressed. I'm, I, I just, everything I'm trying isn't working. My car was just repoed. My electric's being shut off tomorrow. What, what do you say to that person? Because you also seem like you have a lot of empathy as well. What do you say to that person in that moment to help them like get over that hump and continue pushing forward? Yeah. So a couple of things, you know, the, the first thing is, there are always two strategies, make sure you can see my video, two strategies to dealing with a problematic situation. Yeah. One is problem focus, changing the problem itself. So when your car was being repossessed, you know, blockading it with your body might have been an attempt to change the problem. <laughs> right. Sometimes we can't change the problem. And so what we need to realize is we're never stuck because we always have this other approach, which is emotion-focused coping. Emotion-focused coping means how do you change your emotional reaction to mm. it? So personal story, you were saying I have positive energy, you know, I'm on TV, blah, blah, blah. Like, of course it's perfect. Um, <laughs> my husband has been um, ill for, uh, severely ill, out of work for four years, severely ill for three, requires 24 seven care, uh. um, you know, declining, declining, declining. So, so everyone's got stuff and I can, I can empathize with that. And, and I'm experiencing some myself and it's really hard. And we've been very focused on problem focus. How can we heal him? How can we cure him? Mm. And things, you know, some things work, some things didn't as things are not working as much now. We're really focused on the emotion focused coping. How can we be in a state of gratitude despite the scariness that we're being faced with? How can we enjoy every minute of our time together? So wow. when it comes to other people, when you address the emotion focus, what you're saying to yourself. So it's not just um, for someone, for example, who lost their job. It's not just, I lost my job. It's where you're going. I'm a failure. I'm never going to amount to anything. Well, Okay, you know, if you say so, you're right, it will happen. So changing that story, getting you out of the red zone, because again, when we're in the red zone, 
I've got a PhD, right? I talk about this, teach this around the world. When I'm in the red zone, I go there too. So it's nothing about intelligence. It's get yourself out of the red zone. Great things to do are, for example, moving your body, jumping on the bed, listening to music, going for a walk, that kind of thing. Get out of the red zone and then say, what's one step that I can take to move forward? I also have a saying, it's not failure, it's data. So when we have an outcome we don't want, like I lost my job, right? Then the question is not, um, you know, how much of a loser am I or where else am I going to fail? The question is, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? And, and maybe it's, you know, getting information as to why you lost your job or, you know, how can you use this information in the present and in the future to grow from it? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So um, we all go through it. Yeah, we do. And I think it's so easy to look at someone and think, well, their life is perfect. Of course, of course she can be happy, right? She's on these shows. Right. You know, I, I'm in my home office. When I'm done, uh, my husband isn't quite up yet, but you know, I'll, I'm gonna go spend and be a caregiver. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So um, my gosh, you are, you're incredible. I mean, and I'm not just saying that because I have to, I don't have to like, you're incredible. You really are. And here's the thing though. I, it, it's, it's practicing what I preach and realizing that we can't always control life circumstances, but we can always control our reaction to them. And you, you spoke before about law of attraction, yeah. it's the energy that we emit. I could easily, and, and don't think there aren't times when I'm not crawled up in a ball with snot coming out of my nose because I'm crying so hard, right? There are times. Right. But overall, you know, what is the energy that you want to put out? Because that is what you're going to receive. And I will say during this, I mean, he was in the hospital for 80 days. You know, we've gone through a whole bunch of stuff. Through all of this difficult times, there have been so many beautiful moments. We have met people. We have been touched by the love of, of strangers and friends and family that we never might have experienced otherwise. So, you know, just keeping an open mind to even, even during really tough times, beautiful things can be created. Uh, it's rare that I'm left speechless. <laughs> I'm kind of speechless right now. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I truly believe in, in the practice of, of writing daily gratitude, um, lists, because I think, again, I believe that what you were just saying, whatever we're focused on in our, it, it literally starts manifesting in our lives. And when the thing about gratitude lists, and, and I know, you know, this, so I'm just going to highlight it is it's, it's not just writing it down. It's, feeling energy yeah. is the, it's the feeling and so even if you have 10 things great if you have one thing that's great but being in that state of gratitude and feeling and and even if you can you know get like like sometimes when i do my gratitudes i literally get goosebumps that's then the energy that you're putting out um and 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 we also know for example from the from the neuroscience research and functional mri studies when people are truly experiencing gratitude the stress centers in their brain reduce activity so there yeah. are biological and biochemical changes that happen when we truly experience gratitude. Wow. <clears throat> well, I can tell you that in this very moment, I am unbelievably grateful 
that you came on this show. Well, I'm grateful that I'm on your show and I'm grateful to get to meet you in person. I had watched your interview with Linda um, before she had kind of before we started uh, working together. So, oh, did uh, you really? Yeah, I didn't realize it until I heard your voice. I was like, oh, yeah, totally. So, <laughs> yeah. I've been accused of sounding like Norm Macdonald. I'm like, he sounds like me. Yeah, there you go. Let's 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 change. That. Yeah. No, so, and I, I love what you're doing, and I, I love this. You know, really getting people's stories to come out so that we 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 all, you know, I would say, spirit of continuous improvement. We all can can lift each other and 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 be better, you know, as individuals and and as a society. Amen. I, we need more positive energy in this world. Yeah. A lot less of the the crap. Yeah. So, what is this um, this this thing that you speak of? Okay, so it is um, elizabethlombardo.com is my website, and I, I was sharing with you beforehand. It's our new website, and we're super super excited about it. And you can kind of play around. There's a start here, and blah blah. But if you go to elizabethlombardo.com, crush free. I keep getting it confused, but it is crush free. Crush. crush free. So the, the course is called Crush Your Inner Critic and C-R-U-S-H stands for five different steps of how to crush your inner critic. So crush free. And so it's Elizabeth, www.elizabethlombardo.com slash forward slash crush free. Yeah, or free. Linda free. says free crush. Yeah, but that's the true success. This is what happened. So it's crush free. And then just to really confuse you, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you said this about Linda, it goes to a landing page. That's mytruesuccess.co. That's free crush. But don't listen to that. So elizabethlombardo.com slash crush free. Okay. I'm just going to edit this ticker then. And we're going to put, so slash crush free, right? Yes. And that right there. That I have it scrolling across the bottom. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So, um, I just did it all while you were talking to make sure. <laughs> oh, you did? Still time. Yeah. Now it's yellow. Okay. I turned, yeah, I turned the oh, color. Cool. So, the five step program to help you start to do that neuroregenerative training that we talked about of how to really change what's going on inside. Cause everything that goes on up here impacts what goes on out there. You want to change what's going on out there? Start in here. Wow. I, I'm, uh, you know what? I think I'm, I, I'd like you to be a regular contributor on my show. It really has been. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to get to chat with you and to, to share what I am passionate about with your audience. I love it. I love it. I love it. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I want to say thank you to everyone who's watching, who has watched, who shared this out. A lot of people have shared this out. So thank you so much for that. And, and Dr. E, I'm, and we're friends on Facebook now. It's like official. Oh, wow. friends. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. So thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that's that's watched and shared. Thanks so much. And we will see you guys soon. Thank you, Dr. E. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Don't hang up on me. <laughs> <laughs>